from the minute I made that initial phone call, like this is the plan that was for me to execute. And um, so I believe I'm doing God's work yeah. every day. And I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do God's work and to free people from the bondage of their past. Welcome back to the Run the Rays podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying cool as we are uh, uh, starting August, kind of finishing summer up a little bit, kids heading back to school. And speaking of that, our guest for today is a, a mom who has uh, three young boys, and uh, so she stays very busy uh, here in the uh, Columbus, Georgia area. And uh, we're going to introduce her. And uh, um, thank you again for joining us again as uh, you know you can listen to any of the previous 119 episodes on WTVM.com slash podcast. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple. And uh, uh, as we you know talk about fitness and faith on a regular basis, we'll be talking about both those with uh, attorney Jennifer Dunlap today. Uh, back in the day, she uh, worked for the city of Columbus here just south of Atlanta uh, for the district attorney's office uh, for actually more than eight years. And uh, she primarily uh, worked uh, with requests uh, in terms of expungement and, and record restrictions and, and all kinds of things, especially for uh, first offenders. And uh, that kind of really sparked uh, even more so a passion in her in terms of Georgia criminal records uh, for the state of Georgia. And uh, so, so she really got a, an understanding of criminal record projects through that. And now she's in private practice uh, at Dunlap and Lakes PC. And she's also the founder and executive director of Second Chance. What they do is they're a nonprofit that provides free help to people who have made, made some mistakes in the past and now want are productive citizens who want good jobs. They want their rights restored. We're talking about the right to own a firearm, the right to vote, those kind of things. And uh, she recently got a Lift Her Up Award from the uh, Courier Echo Latina newspaper, probably one of many awards that she's received over the years. Uh, she met back in the spring also with Attorney General Chris Carr talking about um, her Second Chance non nonprofit. Uh, she's also, uh, she also loves Jesus and is a great mom and a great wife. And uh, without further ado, here's Jennifer Dunlap. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. And, and you know, I've, I've known you personally for a long time because your parents... Uh, Mary and James Boston uh, have been my neighbors for, uh, I guess it's been almost 15 years. They recently moved away, but uh, uh, an amazing couple, and, and I'm sure you agree with that, been married 52 years, and your and your dad also celebrating a birthday now. Right. So, uh, so I, I've known you and your husband, Brandon, and your uh, three young boys, seeing them grow up and go to school. So uh, it's it's been great. And, and now I uh, get to talk about some of the uh, stuff that you care about as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think back to, do we know each other from before I even started practicing? I think so. <laughs> I think, I think, I think we knew each other uh, before, um, you know, before I think you, you started the DA's office because mm -hmm. you worked under Julius Slater, mm -hmm. I think, and, and uh, really kind of kind of found your way in, in, the, in the law practice. And, and I went to, on a couple of mission trips, church mission trips mm -hmm. with your husband, Brandon, who is, uh, you know, kind of a, a star in his own right, I guess. Uh, <laughs> movies, TV, uh, uh, um, series, all kinds of stuff. So, so now you're the star. You're, you're the focus. <laughs> you're the celebrity this time. So, um, well, first of all, I, I want to talk about Second Chance because um, that's, you know, we, we hear a lot about Second Chances in the Bible as well. Uh, but this is a nonprofit that uh, is part of the passions you have about, you know, people's rights mm -hmm. and expungement. Tell me about um, why you decided to start this and why this is such a, a passion project for you. Okay, sure. So um, as you said, just working in the DA's office, a lot of individuals would come by because they were let go of a job, something had happened in their life, and um, they needed something cleared up on their history. So sometimes that means, you know, it was a conviction. They're trying to figure out if something can be done or sometimes it's just an error and they didn't know where else to go. So they'll go back to the prosecution. Um, and so um, it was my job at the time to handle all requests for expungements, restrictions, any rec record related matter for our uh, all six counties in our judicial circuit. And um, just in meeting people, I realized that there was nowhere for me to send them hmm. to get any relief at all. So, you know, and I'm not an, you know, I wouldn't be their attorney, so I couldn't give them legal advice. I could only tell them what is or isn't possible as far as the request they were making of me. I could say, no, we, we can't do that. Or, um, yes, maybe we can, but here's how you do this. 
Um, so during that period of time, we had new laws. And so some of those would, well, the biggest one would be first offender, retroactive first offender. And that makes it so that an individual that has one felony conviction or one misdemeanor that's in their way, they can um, have that removed. And you would, the ultimate goal of that is an order of exoneration, which means they are now fully exonerated of that offense. They're no longer even guilty of it. Um, and it also seals from their record. Um, so that happened around 2016, 2017. And in the span of one year, I saw one of those requests come through. Now, all these years, people have been worried about this, trying to figure out how do I do this, and there's no remedy. And then when the law changes, I realized there was no one to tell people about this. There was no one to sort of put it out there that this is what you can do. And also, there is a process. It must be a motion. It must be an order. There's no one to generate this because no one had... I don't even think knew about it. Um, I only knew because I was inside the system. Um, but I got one request out of Atlanta, an attorney out of Atlanta filed that. And I looked at his paperwork and I'm like, wow, this would be like all we need around here. Um, and so that's sort of what I, I built my idea around, you know, like getting out here, really telling people about what's now available to them and also offering other record related services that are, um, you know, that people just really didn't know about. But that would change their lives. Yeah, because people, I mean, like you said, like it's the law is a confusing thing. It can yeah. be at times, especially when there's changing and new laws and, and trying to navigate that process and go through all that red tape by yourself is, is seems like a, a, a task that most people w wouldn't be able to do on their own. Right? You're exactly right. And I mean, you'd be amazed at how many like attorneys that, you know, like they may know the structure of the system, but they wouldn't know where to start with a problem. You know, people come in and they present an issue. And I always say, okay, what is it you're trying to do? <laughs> so some people are trying to get a firearm. Some people are trying to get back on Fort Benning. Some people just need the clerks to make a quick update so they can, you know, show their job that they don't have this open case. They need it closed out and it should have been closed out. Um, a lot of people, you know, it's immigration um, and it's just, you know, everyday people that want to look better when they go into an interview. So depending on what the issue is, that's going to craft what your solution is. And it can be difficult as an attorney to even know what affects what. And then because you have to know the rules on Fort Benning <laughs> to know how to help somebody get back on the base, because that's actually very complex. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a number of systems working together you have to kind of go through to get somebody back on base. Um, and then just things happen in the world. I want to say around maybe like 2011, 2012, I saw like Homeland Security consolidated some database and it kicked everybody off the base. Wow. Yeah. And so I had all these people saying, you know, I've been working on Fort Benning for 20 years, for 30 years, and now they're telling me I can't come to work tomorrow. And so, you know, what that, you know, was a huge issue in our community, you know, with Fort Benning being right there and being one of our major employers. So that was a situation, and I'm still like running into that same thing that kicked off in 2011. Wow! Um, because I think they're they're like kind of auditing employers on a rolling basis. So every now and then, it's just a new group of people who get kicked off, depending on who they work for. Wow! And what would you say to folks? You know, just to kind of I guess play devil's advocate. If you have people in the world that say, well, if somebody commits a crime, you know, they need to do the time and. And, you know, should they get a second, third, fourth chance and and uh, kind of it's part of the punishment, you know. So what, what would you say to that in terms of like, you know, people deserving a, mm -hmm. kind of a way to like, you know, after they, you know, have served whatever they're sentenced to kind of what happens next? Yeah. So um, there are two things. And so you just mentioned one, which is that they have already served all their time. You know, really nothing that I'm doing is, is dealing with cutting short any punishment that's been given and accepted by that individual, given by the courts and accepted. Um, and, of course, given by the courts would mean a victim has already approved of that. So what we're really talking about is people's ability to move forward in their lives, um, to become tax-paying individuals in our communities okay yeah. so because if, if people are employed at a lower level of course they're paying less in in taxes they have other issues facing them that impacts us all and so it really is something that helps the entire community when people have hope honestly when they have hope for tomorrow and they can say to themselves you know what if i just get out here and i work hard at my job i can move up and i can do better for myself and my family that factor alone is invaluable when people have convictions, sometimes even minor convictions, I meet people and they're like, oh, I have this misdemeanor marijuana. I just haven't been able to get a job in 10 years. And I'm like, no, it's not that, you know, this isn't holding you back. Like, but sometimes people get in their head about things 
and they they don't they feel judged just talking about it just right. knowing that someone's going to run their record is a burden right and they don't even try to achieve so a lot of times the chains on people are there by their own doing, of course, right. the action, but it's even more so. And it just depends on, I think, people's background. Yeah, and there's that stigma. Mm -hmm. if, if you've been spent time in jail, whether it be for misdemeanor drugs or whatever else, you have that stigma that you kind of almost like is, a, is on your shoulders, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And they feel like they're looked at differently. And, of course, it depends on what the crime is. Sometimes uh, the facts don't sound as bad as the charge, you know, for a lot of times. And I had somebody that came in today, matter of fact, to see me and he had a fling and a looting. He's like, people think I'm just running from the police. And he was like, all I did was like the lights went on and I went over a bridge. <laughs> you know, he's like, I went over the 13th Street Bridge and I people think, slow down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think I went on a police chase and led police through multiple states. And, you know, and he's like feeling all judged because of a traffic offense. Yeah. And he just, he pled guilty to it, and maybe it was a little much for the charge, but he pled to it, and now he's having to answer about that. Wow, wow. <laughs> and he doesn't like that, yeah. you know, but there there was a remedy at the time of his plea, and certainly there there's a remedy now so that he can apply for a job, a better job, and not have to think, people think he's running from the law. Yeah. <laughs> and, and on the Second Chance website, you, you guys use the words hope. But yeah. also mercy yes. and, and prosperity, and you know, as um, as Christians, you know, and uh, it talks in the Bible a lot about how you know we're all sinners, we mm -hmm. all fall short, and about how you know, um, I mean, obviously God gives us second chances mm -hmm. all the time on a weekly, daily basis. So for you, you know, does does faith play a role for you um, in your job as as an attorney, as somebody that's doing these second chances? Do you think that? Wow, you know, we we're this is almost like a ministry in a way mm -hmm. as well. I absolutely believe that. A hundred percent, I believe it's a ministry, and that has a lot to do with how how I got started and just the the miracle that started it all. Um, and in that building was another attorney's office. It was Forrest Johnson and Associates um, way back when. I guess it hasn't been that long ago. Um, but I happened to be just thinking to myself, you know, that I really wanted to do more. I really wanted to do something else. And I've always um, wanted to kind of serve. And I know being in district attorney's office, that's public service. Um, but I, I wanted to make a difference in my community and put it like that. And um, so I was driving by there and I noticed that they were doing construction inside of the building. And I just really felt called to make a phone call to the number that was outside of the building. So I made that phone call and um, they put me on hold. And in the meantime, I looked up who the guy is, like who is Forrest Johnson? And I noticed that he was, had originated, I guess, his practice in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, I knew an attorney in Jacksonville, Florida, my uncle. And so I called my uncle in the meantime. They, I think they came back on and told me he needed to call me right back. And so I called my uncle and I'm like, hey, do you know this guy, like Forrest Johnson? He has an office in Columbus. And my uncle was like, yeah, I know Forrest. We worked in the DA's office in the 70s together. <laughs> Way back. <laughs> yeah. And so like that blew my mind. And I knew in that moment that something was happening, but I didn't know what. And so Mr. Johnson called me up. Um, and I asked him, you know, if he knew my uncle. He's like, yeah, I know, Ken. Why don't you come up here and meet with me? And so that kind of is really what kicked it off. Um, I went, I met with him. Um, my husband and I went to his office, and he did not have an attorney working in his office. And he said, okay, well, we'll talk. Um, 18 months of fasting and praying later, I finally got the phone call that he was ready for me to come out um, and start a practice like working with him kind of doing personal injury but he said you know the way personal injury cases work which I had no idea they take a long time to settle so you're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna do in the meantime and I said all right and so got off the phone and put a plan together and it was second chance I didn't name it second chance he um, called and said well what are you thinking and I was like well this is what I'm doing and I think this would be really good in the community I think this would be a great you know idea to start and um, he said, well, what are you going to call it? And I had some other name. And he was like, no, you need to call it a second chance something. Okay. <laughs> and so that's where the name came from. And um, I left the DA's office that July of 2017 and honestly have never looked back. It, it's been a miracle from day one. It took off so fast. I've, like, been just holding on. And every day that I walk into the office that now has my name on it that mm -hmm. was Forrest Johnson and Associates. Yeah. I remember where I started and how just like one phone call changed everything. And so we've been so fortunate um, last year in 21 to be able to convert a for-profit 
enterprise to a non-for-profit, which is was always my goal was to be able to offer no cost record related services to our community. And so that's how, that's how it worked out. And so now we're we're here. We got our nonprofit status. We're a 501c3. Um, we've been able to partner with Goodwill and put on record events in our city. And so we did our first one November 4th of last year. Um, helped many, many people in our community. We're up to um, almost 200 people now that were convicted felons that are now no longer convicted felons. Wow. They're and what, able. And what kind of reaction do, they, do you get from them? I mean, is, is this just, is it emotional for them and for you at the same time? Yes, it is. Um, it's, it's, really, um, it's really a blessing for me to see and to be a part of that. So, um, of course, being a convicted felon, you know, that's a big deal. And people sometimes don't realize what you lose in that. Um, it can, of course, affect individuals' ability to travel overseas, amazingly. Like, you can't get a visa in a lot of places, okay, with even a DUI. <laughs> People don't realize that. But other countries don't, you know, they don't want all that. They don't want gun crimes. You know, of course, they don't have guns a lot of places like we do. Um, so um, so with, with immigration, of course, there's a big, big deal there. Of course, Second Amendment rights. You don't have the ability to have a firearm, which you know how it is in our climate now. I always say... We all really have to protect ourselves. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of where it is now. <laughs> yeah, and it's um, in the Constitution. Yes, and it's, it's a constitutional right that we all have in this country, and that's not to be taken lightly. You know, we don't take our right to free speech lightly. You know, this is a major right that we have. Um, so, yeah, no firearms. And then also there is a right to vote that's impeded for a period of time. Now yeah. you can get your rights vote back, which people don't know that either. <laughs> that yeah. Once you complete your sentence, you can just go reapply and you can vote even if you are a convicted yeah, exactly. felon. Right. Yeah. Um, that you, you lose your right to be a notary public. You lose your right to sit on a jury, which is, of course, how things get decided, you know, in our community for people that do offend. So it's a really big deal. And, of course, employers are allowed to discriminate against people who have felony convictions yeah it means that you did what you're accused of you pled to it and now you know that will just automatically eliminate people from so many tiers of types of employment even like you can just pretty much count on anything in the medical field anything in law enforcement you know there's whole classes of employment that just are not anything in you know education and teaching all of that is off the table and some of that's off the table with certain misdemeanors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just a really big deal, you know, from people. My very first case um, was an individual who had a deposit account fraud. He had written a check from Alabama in Georgia. And, you know, right here on the line. Wow. <laughs> so, that's a felony. <laughs> he didn't even know. Probably out of state check. Wow. Six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> made him a convicted felon and this is going back in the 90s so all of these decades he's been a convicted felon he didn't think he could vote you know he didn't you know and he's just been kind of like yeah i'm a convicted felon that's it you know and yeah. he he's a hunting type of person would love to hunt and that kind of thing but um so how do they react once they find out that okay i can get these rights back or maybe even have my record expunged mm -hmm. and kind of washed away yeah. and kind of a, a, a fresh start, a second chance. Are they usually pretty surprised or, or? Yes, people are surprised, they're shocked, they're they're grateful, um, the whole gamut of emotions, but more than anything, they feel like they like can live again. Somebody, like, people see them mm -hmm. as people as they're they feel like they're a part of our community and not on the fringes and not in the shadows anymore because people do that to themselves you know and of course it is a truth <laughs> that in a job you know people will say you know i really like you we really love to hire you but this and um you may have heard of ban the box um that was kind of a major initiative in the state and that basically would take off the box that said are you convicted are you a convicted felon from the application and I, people had some hope in that. I thought it was interesting because even what it did is give people hope that if they, you know, they can at least make it to the interview and maybe that individual would give them a break. But what was happening, what I hear from clients is that they get to that point and now they're hopeful because they didn't have to check that, you know, but ultimately their employment is subject to a background screening. And so then they just get eliminated after a longer process almost. Um, but of course, that helps some people because some employers, it depends on the felony, you know, they may accept the person. But so this is something that will totally eliminate that entire problem. You don't have to talk about it because it does not come up because it does not exist. <laughs> so <laughs> when they get, you know, that that first offender on a felony, which is, the you know, the biggest thing we do. Um, so I talked about deposit account fraud, which was my first one, but so impactful for that person's life. 
Um, probably the the other larger ones have been, you know, armed robbery. That's a huge one. Yeah. And most people don't want to hire an armed robber. Right. Yeah. You know, but, you know, this guy had started his own business, was doing really well, was a fitness trainer and had kind of built things up, which a lot of people that have um, serious violent felonies or felony convictions anyway, will sometimes just be, you know, become a business owner and employ themselves. Sure. And um, that's like kind of a way around it. But that's difficult for a lot of people to build that up. And if you want to buy a house, you know how hard it is if you're just getting cash paid $20 here and there for training somebody. So anyway, um, but his conviction occurred when he was 17, mm. you know, and he was just with some other kids. And, you know, armed robbery in Georgia, is, it's got a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years to serve every day. So that's like the most heartbreaking offense also, honestly, in the system is seeing those 17-year-olds come through um, because they also don't realize that you're an adult in Georgia at 17. Yeah. You make one wrong decision or hang out with decision. the wrong yep. group at the wrong time, you know. Yep. Um, so, and, and you were talking about seeing this as a ministry, um, you know, second chance. And so how, for you, you know, I know you've, you've grown up in church and attend church with your family. How does, how does that, I mean, faith, how does that intertwine with, I mean, you've got a job to do as an attorney, as somebody helping these people out and with their records and their rights. But um, does, does faith, you know, do, do you, um, does it, you know, do you think about that as you're doing your job? Absolutely. I, I mean, it is a ministry. And I honestly believe that from the minute I made that initial phone call, like this is the plan that was for me to execute. And um, so I believe I'm doing God's work yeah. every day. And I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do God's work and to free people from the bondage of their past. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're helping to fill the gap. That, I mean, there, there wasn't maybe that kind of help there. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, using the talents that God's given you for good. I mean, because you can, you know, go in the courtroom and, and help clients out and make money and, and do your job. But you've chosen, along with doing that, that you're able to kind of go and help people with this nonprofit and, and doing it for free of charge to them, which is, which is great. I'm sure for them, you know, um, because, you know, attorney's fees are, are not cheap for folks, mm -hmm. you know, so, <laughs> so it's something that, you know, they're, they're appreciative of. Um, and also, you know, speaking of, of faith, um, you know, you, you're a mom to, to three boys as well. That's, that's one of your main jobs, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, keeping you busy throughout and the, the kids are about to go back off to school. So that'll be a little bit of a relief, maybe. <laughs> um, what, how, how does, as a mom, I mean, how do you balance all that, um, in terms of, you know, and, and kind of praying over them and, and hoping to spend as much time as you can with them along with doing all your jobs? Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's always the push. It's a weekly challenge, right? So it's a weekly and a daily challenge. It takes the entire village to make it happen. Yeah. It takes both of my parents. <laughs> it takes my husband. Uh, all hands on deck. But you know, um, having having my own business, it's it's something I never thought I would ever in a million years do. And I, you know, I know along the way, people have always said, you know, so once you get good at this, then you're going to go start your own practice, right? And I'm like, why would I want to do that? It sounds like a huge <laughs> headache. Exactly. You know, no, I'd rather just work and go home because, yeah. you know, when you have your own business, it never goes, it never turns off. Yeah. And no matter what anyone's doing in your business, it's all your fault. <laughs> so <laughs> um, you get you get uh, rewarded for the good and punished for the bad, or yes. it's your fault. Yeah. Right. And so, um, so there is a sense that yeah, theoretically, I can make my own schedule, but <laughs> I'm also my own most valuable employee. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. We need we need her at work. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, and I don't even know how it happened. Um when I just decided I really like work. And so if left to my own devices, I'll just work all day and all night, which is what I'm trying to come back from. So, um, you know, I've, I have a great staff now. Um, I started out, I was by myself. I was answering my own phone calls and doing all the paperwork and running it all through the system and all of that. But we've got, um, have several people down there now who are trained to assist people with paperwork. So if somebody were to come see me, everybody's instructed the same directions. First, you have to go to the police department and get your criminal history. And that's something that I would recommend to anyone who has had an arrest anywhere, and especially in the state of Georgia, and most especially in our county. Um, there are record errors that people just, well, you wouldn't believe. And I've seen them both ways. I've seen a lot of them both ways. From people who have a misdemeanor marijuana, but their felony reflects a felony marijuana. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen people with felony marijuana. I've seen people with murder charges and nothing's on their history. 
Wow. You know? um, somebody, I think when I was at the DA's office, wrote me from prison serving his murder sentence, and it wasn't on his history. And I'm going like, well, what, what happened here? How'd you get this? <laughs> you probably shouldn't have written me. <laughs> Should just let this thing go. Yeah. But, yeah. And so I, I've seen that both ways. And as far as the misdemeanor marijuana problem, that's something that I've talked about um, quite a bit. And I try to make sure that information is out there. Because in my experience, there's um, maybe like a six or seven year span of time where one code was used to log in misdemeanor marijuanas. And it's a catch-all code that's called possession, sale, distribution, manufacture, marijuana. And it is a felony. And for a seven year period of time, it seems to me like everyone who got that charge has a felony. Mm -hmm. And they just don't know it until I like find it. And it's on a person by person basis. Yeah. So I always say, like anybody, you know, get your record. Um, it costs twenty dollars. You can go to any law enforcement agency in the entire state of Georgia with your license, and it'll take them ten minutes. They'll put it in your hand, look at it, which is can be difficult, a little difficult to decipher. You gotta kind of stare at it for a little while. Legal, legal language. <laughs> Not really, but no. it's just the way that it's split up. Okay. Um, is can be difficult to decipher, but I always encourage people to do that. And I have an open door policy for anybody who gets their history, just stop by my office and I'll go through it, through it with you. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise, like even law enforcement agents, you know, uh, officers, it can be difficult even for them. And they're not gonna know necessarily what they're looking at. And then you have to like sometimes cross reference with the person's, you know, real life, what happened yeah. <laughs> to them to put it all together. But I encourage everybody to be clear on what's in their records so that they can answer questions correctly. And also, I found, you know, when I ask people, they're like, I can't never get a job. And I'm like, well, this is why is this error right here, but they would never have known that. So like, get it, look at it, make sure it's accurate. The uh, percent of, of errors is beyond belief. Yeah, beyond belief, just People like I had a nurse, matter of fact, yesterday, RN came to see me. And she's going like, I got this job at a hospital and they're ready to take me today. But I got my, you know, and the, but they told me, you know, I've got this felony on my record, which it was one of those felonies that's not supposed to be a felony. It's supposed to be a misdemeanor. <laughs> but the way it was coded. But the way it was coded. And furthermore, so the code looked like a felony arrest. And then the disposition, what happened in her case no one had ever updated her history to show that she'd actually got conditional discharge and it should be sealed. Hmm. So she's showing a felony arrest and she should have no record found coming back for her employment. And she cannot work until this is cleared up. Wow. And so that was a simple fix. Here's your disposition paperwork. Take it to the clerks. Ask them to update it. They'll do it right now. And our clerk, Daniel Forte, does a great job of making sure that things can move smoothly and quickly. Yeah. Um, because this was going to make all the difference in whether this person can be employed. And you know what? It's None of this is her fault. Yeah. None of it's her fault. And if she hadn't, if she managed, I think some kind of way she got to Stacey Jackson and he told her like, hey, like go see, they they can give you actual legal advice. I can't. Um, But a quick fix for a really big problem for her. But, you know, we need our RNs. Yes, you know? we do. They're, they're understaffed right now and, and, and underpaid probably as well. Do a lot of people out there just not know what's what's maybe that they made some mistakes in their past and they don't know that it's still following them around, I guess? Right, right. So that's why I say everybody who's had an arrest really needs to see it and make sure about it. It's just like when you're trying to buy a house. You need to know your credit score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need to know some things going in. Yeah. So if you're trying to get a job, and I would say even for, for professionals, if you have anything in your history, you don't you want to make sure you eliminate anything that could be a barrier. And so that's why you need to make sure that it's clear. Um, even people are like, that's the other thing about having a record. And I just want to say this because people who have criminal histories feel especially judged, but I think they also don't realize from my perspective, I would almost say like everybody's got something because it just seems like it, you know, whether it's, you know, a ton of people have DUIs. A lot of professionals, you know, have DUI charges and, and everything's just fine, you know, in their lives. But those DUIs start with an arrest. They've been arrested. Yeah. And so anytime somebody's arrested and fingerprinted, they have a criminal history. And that criminal history in Georgia exists forever. Yeah. It's just a matter of who can access it. Yeah. So it's kind of like we're all in this together in some kind of form or fashion. But at the same time, um, just as a side note, DUIs are one thing that you cannot ever get off your record. Okay, gotcha. It's, it's interesting because you can get, like I've talked about armed robbery. I had homicide by vehicle. That came off. <laughs> you 
you know, aggravated but, but assault. But not DUI. Not DUI. Wow. If you get a DUI, the, the the code section for DUI precludes it from being um, from anybody using first offender on it. So you can use a first offender to erase a felony conviction, but not a misdemeanor DUI. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And you were talking about people feeling judged, uh, you know, because they made a mistake. Could have been a big mistake, little mistake, and it, that makes me think about in in way like. The way the way Jesus was, and and, and um, in the Bible it talks about how you know he hung out with the prostitutes and hung out with he one of his disciples was a tax collector and people that were like the, maybe some of the rough and tumble people that you wouldn't expect or think a religious leader would you know kind of hang out with and be a part of his circle. Um, and so, you know, he modeled that for us that like, hey, listen, we're not just supposed to hang out with the people that are clean and like, like have this kind of perfect reputation or whatever. We're supposed to be reach out to those that maybe have some, you know, a messy past mm-hmm. um, for you. To, does that is that important to kind of like say like, hey, we're here for you. We see you. You're a human. You're not a convicted felon. That's how we see you, you know? Yeah. Um, and people feel judged when most, especially I think when they're talking to me, cause we kind of got to get in depth on things, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at the charges I'm looking at the charging language, you know, and I know what they've done and they feel like indicted, like you, sitting you, right you there. See, you see the real nitty gritty. <laughs> <laughs> I see exactly what happened here. <laughs> but, and I have to say to people all the time when I'm dealing with what a person can do about their history, Literally, I'm not dealing with the facts of it at all, but every single person cannot resist telling me what happened. Like, they still have to tell me their version of events. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a confession with Jennifer. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe that's what it is. I haven't seen it like that. That's right. You're like, you're like, it's like a being in a Catholic church. You're on the other side of uh, the, the, the dais. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're exactly right. It, it, it's, a, it's a confession. Um, and I'm going like, okay, I just need to know. Because you already know, so they, they feel like they can just just pour their heart into you, and and it's not like you're you're going to because you're you've got to do your job, mm-hmm. you know. So. Yeah, so it all starts with uh, a relationship, you know, <laughs> or a friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and of course, yeah. But so I I've got I got past that a really long time ago because I've seen how very simple. M- innocuous situations can just blow out of proportion really quickly. Yeah. And, you know, from what I can tell from the amount of people, the thousands of people that I've talked to and kind of gone over through the facts of their case, very few of them actually intended the results. (laughs) And you can probably kind of tell, oh, is this person going to be somebody that's going to continue doing this kind of reckless behavior? Or are they trying to like you know, really kind of take advantage of a second mm-hmm. chance and be productive. Right? Yeah, and I'll say, like, that's one thing, um, Judge Prather, he's the chief judge in state court. And once he was signing some orders for me, and he's like, you know what, Jennifer, I don't have any problem signing orders for you because I know that if an individual bothered to go through all of this, to come over there, see you, go through your process, you know, at the time, retain you to do this, they don't want to get in trouble anymore. They just paid somebody to try to undo this whole thing. Like they're taking affirmative steps in the right direction. Because part of your job is vetting. Like, okay, so, okay, if I'm going to help this person out, I'm vouching for them, right? From a second chance perspective. Yeah. And, and the law is structured in a way to really assist people who, who are showing that already. So we, you know, in talking about first offender, that's somebody who has one felony conviction. That's not a multiple offender already. That's somebody who did one thing. Um, when we're dealing with, you know, misdemeanors, that's somebody who did one thing. So that already tells you possibly like where this person kind of is. Like they just really may have made a mistake or didn't see something coming or something like that. But once they're doing, they've done their seventh or eighth thing, then it's yeah. maybe, perhaps a different story. <laughs> Even on the second felony. Okay, yeah. So a person with a second occurring felony, they're no longer able to do first offender. That's just if you one time, one time lifetime use on that provision. Sure. And so they're getting directed to file for a pardon, um, which there are remedies in that too, but that doesn't really deal with me. Individuals can file their own pardons. So the other um, thing is restricting, you can now restrict conviction, misdemeanor conviction. Most misdemeanor convictions can be restricted, but that person would have had to have stayed out of trouble for the previous four years. Oh, okay. So I'm counting backwards. So that tells you right there, okay, you've been out of trouble for four years now. It's a long time. 
that's a long time. And apparently our lawmakers felt like that's enough time. <laughs> if you <laughs> can make somebody, it. Somebody came up with this number, this, you know, this four, 1,500 days, and then you're good to go. You know, yeah, so. that's interesting. <laughs> now that you mention it, it's an interesting time. Because I guess when, when you say five years, something about five years seems a lot bigger. Yeah, it does. Yeah, half of 10. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as somebody you were talking earlier about working in the DA's office and kind of, you know, kind of um, learning the ropes of, of what, what this is, what's needed, what's not being provided for these first-time offenders and, and with, re- with records and the obstacles it puts on them. Um, so for you as a female attorney, and you work for a female district attorney, mm-hmm. Julia Slater. Um, do you feel like, you know, for you, do you try to represent, I mean, you won an award recently, you lift her up award, you know, for, for women, um, that you want to represent and really be a model for other women, maybe other African-American women that, that listen, you can do big things and you just have to go work hard and do it. I mean, do you feel like that you, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> put words in your mouth, but do you feel like that you want to be hopefully a, a good model for other young girls that are, they're looking up and say, Hey, I, I'd like to do what she's doing, you know? Yes, I do. But, um, I honestly, it's not something that I thought about for most of my life. I really just haven't for most of my practice even, um, and I guess it's because of how I see myself in the whole thing. You know, starting out, of course, I saw myself as junior and I'm looking for somebody to look for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was looking at Lorraine Moore, who was ahead of me. She was in the DA's office when I started and I was watching her and modeling myself after her. Honestly, she was, um, I thought, just a great attorney, period. And she was a woman and she had a child. And so and everybody seemed to respect her. And so that's somebody that I look to to model myself and as you know we all get older and then you forget that you're getting older and you're still looking for role models yeah. you know <laughs> and then so, you're on the other side of it right yeah you have other people that are like like you know looking up to you whether they could be you know younger or they could be somebody that's a current attorney perhaps right and so but that happens overnight <laughs> and so one day you look up and people are going i want you to speak in front of this group of girls and this group of girls and it, it didn't occur to me until very recently that that might be uh, useful for me to do, which is deliberately make it a point to to mold and model myself for younger people who and people who may want to be attorneys. So we have an intern project. And so generally speaking, I've always got two or three interns from Columbus State or even the high school. I had a, um, I had a girl from UGA this summer come in and she did a great job. But yeah, so that's something that um, I try to keep up with my interns is letting them see what I do and how it all works and how, you know, time goes and, and that kind of thing. So that is, it has become important to me now. Yeah, exactly. And because you're still young yourself and, and on the other flip side of things, you know, you've got uh, three kids, but they're all boys. So, you know, um, and then obviously it's a shared task between you and your husband and, and the grandparents. Um, but uh, is it, what's that like having, having three boys? I mean, you almost got a, a like, uh, part of a football team there or, or half a basketball team is that is that uh um does that is that different having all boys yes it is i think it's easier probably than having all girls is it okay? I, I guess right. i'm i think i don't know I, I, don't, I have one girl one boy so you know i don't know well um and so they you know when you have one and then you it's like you roll the second one into the mix then you see how the dynamic works and then it's like, okay, a third will be easy because now they know what they're, these two know what they're doing. They can right. teach the third one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can do our job. They can do the job. <laughs> but there is something to that where, you know, the first child is raised by adults and then the second child is raised by the first child. <laughs> and then the third one is raised by all children. Yes, yes. So they come out differently. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I am looking for at least one of them to come behind me and take over, I guess. I, I really am. And I don't know who it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> we have to see how it all plays did, now, out. Do they know what, what mommy does? Do they, do they like, you know, like, wow, you go into court or you help these people that have gotten in trouble and done something bad? I mean, do they, do they kind of get the sense of what you do? Or I'll have to ask them that. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy's an attorney, you know. <laughs> they, they come to the office okay. and they know it means they can have candy oh well that's a great place to be they might want to come back for that they do they love to come for that they know they can go get water from the water machine they think that's cool um they know i work a lot um and they do say things you know i think they um see they haven't seen me in court you know you can't really take kids in court but it's almost time for them to be able to to go they can 
it come and sit sometimes. But I'm actually, I don't do a lot of work in court anymore. That's the difference. Yeah. Is I'm really behind a desk most of my day. Do you miss the, I mean, that, that adrenaline rush of being in front of a judge, a jury, all that stuff? Or, or is that kind of nerve wracking? There's not much adrenaline rush there anymore. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I just, um, you know, I do, I'm the kind of person, like, I'm going to pretty much write out anything I'm going to say in advance. You're really good at, I'm sure, at speaking on the fly, at coming, you know, they just give you the mic. (laughs) Ready to go. Ready to go. (laughs) But um, I don't work that way. So, I, you know, so, I mean... It's been a while. Yeah, I, I I would watch if I was I would watch things like A Few Good Men. I'd be like, you know, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth, you know, something like that. Put some of that in there. Yeah. I know you will. <laughs> For sure. Just to start yelling things out and hope that somebody understands. And uh, one of the things we also talk about on the podcast is fitness as well. And so um, you um, so at, at, with your your several jobs as an attorney and second chance and being a, a mom to three and and uh, and. A wife and and all the other things you do. I and mean, how do you do? You find time to like try to stay in shape, or or I mean, you run, go to the gym. You, anything that you do to try to that's just for Jennifer. Yes, I okay. absolutely do right. exercise. Um, you have to. You know, that's one thing. It's like you feel like you don't have time, but then I always um, remember that like you know our presidents exercise. You know, they have like a built-in. I don't know if all of them take advantage of it, but as far as I know, like regularly speaking, like they have a built in like kind of exercise thing. Yeah. And that's because at a certain level of stress, like you have to exercise. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> like, yeah. it becomes... for, for not physical, but just for mental health as well. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's why, you know, that's incorporated. And so I, I really I think back when I started, I think President Obama was still in office and it's like, okay, well, He's exercising. You know, he had to quit smoking. Yeah. <laughs> and he had to start exercising. And we've seen Bill Clinton and George W. Bush yeah. out on runs with the Secret Service, you know. They so. take their dogs on runs and things because you really, <laughs> you have got to have that at a certain level of stress. And I would say when I started, maybe like six months in, I started having migraines and just all of that. And, you know, sometimes you don't realize the toll that everything is taking on you until it's being, your body is expressing it even though you might feel like you're generally speaking okay but it's just too much you know we're I'm running full out all the time and and all that so when that happened I hired a trainer at that point and just tried to make sure I was spiking my heart rate you know getting at least 30 minutes of a really hard work in in the mornings and you know we all have time it's just how you want to use it and what you think is important and how are you going to prioritize things so in the summers it's easier you got more day time and so I try to um, get in at least a brisk walk in the mornings, um, or if I don't hit it in the mornings, then in the in the afternoons. But I definitely exercise at least three or four times a week. Now, I know your parents are. I see um, Mary. You know your mom wa- walking all the time, and, and they're going to the Y. So I mean that, that's a, that's a good model as parents in their seventies you know, that they're still doing it. You know. Yes, and that's probably I think why working out and exercising has always been a thing with me because my whole life, like you know, my parents, my whole life they have done that. Like they worked out three or four times a week, both of them, my whole life. So my dad would always be biking or he'd always be doing, you know, he loves body pump. Um, and my mother, same thing. She would come home from work. She would, you know, go for a walk and I would go with her a lot of times. She would like put dinner on and go for a walk. And so they've always juggled it and made sure that they exercise. And I think it's definitely been paying off. Yeah. You know, how old was my dad when he got certified as a body pump instructor? Yeah. I mean. Was he like 65? <laughs> wow. I think. Wow. Somewhere around there. So, Man. Um, the, it's always just been around me. And I think that's something I want to also continue to model, you know, for my children. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not just about muscles. I mean, I know your husband Brandon. He likes to show off the the the, the biceps and and uh, that kind of thing. But uh, but you know, you, you you keep up with him well. So I mean, you know, you're I mean, you're just as fit as he is. So right. Well, <laughs> his eye roll there. Well, he he. I say all the time. He looks fit. Like he hasn't just his his however his genetics are. I mean. He it should, doesn't he seem just to come be run, a, run with me. Come run with me sometimes, some long distance. Yeah, well, that's where the rubber meets the road, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, Jennifer Dunlap, thank you so much for being here. I know we've been friends for a long time, but uh, it was great getting to know you some and, and, uh, and wish you the best uh, with, your, with your law practice, with, with Second Chance. And again, we appreciate what you're doing for the community, for people that uh, maybe are left behind or have been in the past. So uh, we thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed myself. 
You know, it's really great to see uh, people like Jennifer using her talents for good or her talents for the kingdom of God and really to help other people that are uh, maybe, you know, haven't been seen, haven't gotten that uh, that second chance that they deserve. And, uh, you know, maybe they've earned uh, after kind of dealing with their punishment and, uh, you know, being on their best behavior. And uh, their, their, uh, her organization, A Second Chance Criminal Record Relief, uh, you know, their goal is to help um, the, you know, people gain access to better housing, employment, education uh, by eliminating their criminal record entries if that's something that, you know, should or can be done. Uh, they've created Georgia's first no-cost do-it-yourself system for the restriction of criminal records, uh, and all their services are throughout Georgia. So well done to Jennifer and uh, her coworkers there. Uh, I've done a great job um, helping folks out. And, you know, um, you know, God is in the business of second chances as well. And for us, when we, you know, give people in life a second chance, um, you know, like maybe a former inmate, that does not mean that we are erasing their crime or maybe invalidating the the pain of their victims. That's still there and will forever be there, perhaps. Um, but they can be forgiven, just like God forgives us. And and we, you know, uh, are in the business of, you know, being kind and loving and godly to other people. That means we walk alongside them, those who need a second chance. And by doing that, we can help bring, you know, some healing to their lives, healing from God and, and in our communities as well. You know, Jesus was the ultimate second chance for us. You know, we were sinners and fall short. Um, and, you know, Adam and Eve taught us that. But Jesus came and, uh, and forgave us when we didn't deserve it. Um, and so, um, and, and overall, and if you didn't know this, I, I looked this up and found out that one in three American adults have a criminal record. So, you know, 33% of the folks out there and, um, you know, God forgives us. So why can't we forgive as well? It can be really difficult sometimes, especially if it's something personal, but you know, there's examples in the old and new testaments of, of God being a forgiving God. And you got Moses who murdered a man. Uh, you've got David who committed adultery and had a man murdered. Peter denied he knew Jesus um, you know, after spending three years with him. Jonah on uh, the whale, who he fled from God's command as well. And um, you know, when we examine you know, Jesus' life himself, we know that he redeemed and he elevated people that were convicted, people that were condemned. Um, and, uh, you know, give, showing, giving redemption in their lives. People like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who was really considered a, a sinner by his neighbors. So, you know, how, how God sees people is not necessarily how, how we see people. Um, so he's a God of second chances. And, you know, when, uh, when Peter came up and asked, you know, well, how many times should I forgive him, forgive people? Seven times? And, and Jesus, you know, replied to him, 70 times seven. So, you know, it doesn't stop with that. Um, and we talked, I talked about Jonah earlier. Um, you know, the, the, after the, the great fish, the whale swallowed Jonah, uh, he was going to die, but God rescued him and, uh, from certain death and gave Jonah another chance. Um, he is a God of really not just second chances, but third, fourth, fifth, and beyond. And he knows, he knows we're going to fail. He knows we're human, we're of the flesh, and we're going to fail time and time again. And, um, but he never gives up on us. And so we should never give up on God. Uh, sometimes, you know, life throws us curveballs and we're in valleys. And we think, man, you know, uh, is there really, is God really, does he really hear me? Well, uh, I'm here to tell you that he does. And um, God is patient with us and doesn't want us to perish. He, he extends grace to those who are humble. So I encourage you today, you know, that uh, you deserve a second chance and others do as well. So, uh, you know, people like Jennifer are doing a great job with um, with giving folks that in a tangible way. Now, moving on to our final segment in this Run the Race podcast, podcast episode. We appreciate you joining us for the last um, 119 episodes, these Two and a half years now as we continue uh, strolling along in 2022. Hard to believe uh, time's just flying as the school year starts. Now on to our final segments. Um, of course, I close every podcast with a prayer, but also have a parting gift, some inspiration that has to do with those uh, second chances.
we were talking about Jesus and the Bible and, and you know, being a forgiving God earlier. Um, our, our kind of inspiration for this episode is from Lamentations 3, 21 through 23. This is what the Bible says. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And, um, you know, so when we talk about God being merciful and forgiving and second, third, tenth chances that uh, sometimes we don't deserve, you know, grace and mercy coming from him, um, that's new every morning. And he's faithful to us. So in return, you know, we, we owe to him the same thing that, that um, you know, that we, we um, should look to him as the one that, um, you know, loves us no matter how often we fail. And, uh, you know, we should, you know, mirror that uh, for people in society today as well. It doesn't mean that we forget what they do if they've done something awful or that they don't get punished um, because they do. There's justice in this world. Um, But beyond that, you know, God is the ultimate judge. We're not the judge. And so, um, you know, is, and just, just have the hope that, you know, his mercies are new every morning and um, he's faithful to us. And uh, we, that gives us hope. That's what we're all looking for is hope, right? Uh, now closing in prayer, dear God, just thank you for uh, giving us those many chances you give us. And when we fall short and fail and uh, make bad choices, Lord God, that you will continue to protect us, protect our families, and uh, just help us to be more like you and, and being merciful and showing grace and giving other people around us that we know and don't know those second and third chances, Lord God, that um, that we can show your love um, in those um, unconditional ways for people close to us and people that we meet along the way. Um, and we just thank you for uh, the opportunity to do that and uh, for your uh, mercies that are new every morning, and the joy that you give us with your blessings. your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much again for joining us on this uh, pod that we talk about fitness and faith on a regular basis. Uh, looking forward to having some great guests. Maybe our next one's going to be something about uh, fitness and running, some huge challenge. Uh, I know a gentleman I have up my, my, my sleeve that uh, hopefully I can talk to about something he did uh, for a good cause related to MS and uh, running many, many miles over the course of several days. And um, so I'm looking forward to some races coming up. But, you know, it's tough out there running in the heat. So be careful. Make sure to hydrate and uh, be safe, uh, whatever you're doing outside. And uh, sometimes that means going into the air conditioning, into the uh, treadmill, or as I call it, dreadmill. So uh, thanks again for uh, tuning in, listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. Tell your friends about it, and we will continue running the race of life together. See ya.